In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, to borrow from a somewhat overused internet meme, Lent is coming. Although Lent moves around on the calendar from year to year, like Easter, it is still much more predictable than Oklahoma weather. And the time is quickly upon us again. When talking to people about the church calendar, very few would say that Lent is their favorite season of the church year. There is, of course, plenty to love about Easter or Christmas. There are many who enjoy the wonders of Advent and the light that comes at Epiphany. There is even a quite refreshing pace to the chunk of the year that we call simply propers or common time. But Lent is challenging for many of us. We know, and we may even understand why, that it is a season that we mark by making personal sacrifices and taking on additional spiritual disciplines. But few of us look forward to these next few weeks with excitement or joy. Perhaps this is why the collect for this last weekend of Epiphany beseeches God to allow us to see the light of Christ's countenance, to be strengthened for the days ahead, and that we may bear our cross and be further changed into Christ's image. Of course, this Lent is particularly challenging, perhaps, because we've already undergone what feels like a year-long Lent already, considering the challenges and sacrifices we have all had to make due to the pandemic. Perhaps that is why it is precisely this prayer of the collect that I need to pray this morning and to live into as we face the liturgical season of Lent. Perhaps you need this too, to be reminded of the glory of Christ so that I can bear my cross and become more like him. The Transfiguration provides us a wonderful opportunity to explore this idea. Both in Mark's Gospel and in Matthew, the events of the Transfiguration take place six days after Peter has confessed that Jesus is the Christ. Of course, Peter then promptly turns around and tries to rebuke Christ when Christ begins to teach about his need to be killed and to raise again from the dead. But six days later, John takes Peter with him, this time with James and John, in order to get a glimpse of Christ's glory, a glimpse of his light that can sustain them on that journey to the cross at Good Friday and all the way through until Easter. As we hear of Jesus and his inner circle going high up a mountain, we might be reminded that God has often met his people on top of high places. Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The Old Testament temple was put on the top of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. When people ascend in Scripture, it is often to encounter God. Similarly, even here in our church, when we ascend toward the altar, it is the place at which we, at least in normal times, meet and receive Christ in the Eucharist. Once Christ and his disciples reach the top of the mountain, Christ's likeness is transfigured. 
The word here is actually the same word we get metamorphosis from. That might require us to think back to biology classes and recall that metamorphosis is the word that we use to describe the process of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Through this process, we see the genetically identical creature of the caterpillar in the form in which it was always latent in it, a beautiful and glorious butterfly. As Christ is transfigured before the eyes of his disciples, he does not become something that he was not already, but rather is now clearly seen as he is and as he always has been. The divine glory of God the Son shines forth in such wise that his clothing even becomes a luminous, brilliant white, cleaner and purer than any fuller, any launderer could make it. No soap, no lye, nor bleach could ever make cloth so brilliantly white. White is a symbol of purity, and as we learn from the book of Revelation and other scriptures, the white garments are also a sign and a mark of righteousness, of righteous actions. And in this case, the absolutely perfect and pure righteousness of Christ Jesus. The church father, John Chrysostom, in reflecting upon this passage, says that Christ manifested to them the God that was dwelling among them. Their eyes are opened. And yet moving on, we see the presence of Moses and Elijah on top of this mountain speaking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah are commonly believed to represent the fullness of the law and the prophets, respectively. As Jesus lays out for the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, the law and the prophets, when properly understood, point us to Jesus Christ. And seeing these things all happening, Peter, in his terror, clumsily suggests erecting some tents and prolonging the mountaintop experience. But we're not meant to stay on the mountain. Blessedly, God the Father himself intervenes, and he provides a covering of clouds, and yet more import to the scene as he speaks. He declares, similarly to how he did at Christ's baptism, that Jesus is the beloved Son of the Father, and he gives the commands that his disciples and we should hear him. Coming down from the mountain and recovering from this intense episode, the disciples are then directed by Jesus to not speak of this divine revelation until after his resurrection. How could they not tell of such a wonderful and glorious and yet terrifying experience? Why this command? Perhaps it is because we cannot fully appreciate the full glory of Christ's divinity on the Mount of Transfiguration if it is separated from us holding equally the full and complete, complete humanity of Christ that we see at the crucifixion, at his death, and his burial. With these two events together, the bookends of Lent, we see most clearly that Jesus is both fully man and fully God, that Jesus fully receives God's love in his humanity and fully embodies the fullness of power and power of God's love in his divinity. If we hold these truths by faith, 
of Jesus being fully God and fully man, it allows us to then reflect more clearly on how we bear our cross and can become more like Jesus during Lent. There's a lesson from golf that is perhaps helpful. They say that you should never tell yourself before you swing the club, don't hit the ball in the water. Because the last thing your brain hears is, hit the ball in the water. So that's what you tend to do. Rather, it is better to say a positive reminder like, hit it straight, put it in the fairway, or something similar. Along the same lines, I'm trying to remember that example with my son as I try to uh, disciple him. Telling him not to hit isn't really effective because the last thing he hears is hit. Rather, I need to continue to find ways to positively encourage him about what he can do in a more positive and helpful manner when he's frustrated. I think the same type of logic can apply for us as we think about bearing our crosses during Lent. Rather than spending so much time thinking about on all the things that we're giving up, no meat, no alcohol, no chocolate, whatever it is that you are choosing to give up for Lent or what we choose as a parish and go through to give up together, thinking about those things in a negative way is not likely to help us. Rather, we should set our minds and focus on the glory of God, as we hear in the Collect today, that we might most clearly see Jesus in his humanity and his divinity, that we can learn how to suffer from the one who suffered so grievously for us, and that as we keep our minds fixed on the bright light that is Jesus, which he shares with the Father, we can better endure the challenges of the day. Wonderfully, fixing our minds on Jesus in this way has the other desired effect from our prayer, to be changed into the likeness of Christ. As Paul says in Romans 12, we too should be transformed, transfigured, to undergo metamorphosis, which is the word he uses there, by the renewing of our minds. We do not become something that we, are not created, that we were not created to be. Rather, as we fix our eyes clearly on Jesus, we become more like him, which is what Genesis 1 has already said is true about us, that humanity was created in the image and likeness of God. Yes, a marred image now in need of restoration, but a restoration that is blessedly available to all of us through faith. And furthermore, when we think about the brilliant white garments that we see on Jesus and the Mount of Transfiguration, we can recall to us the call and promise of God to be that we ourselves can obtain white, unsoiled garments from him without price. Yes, as the Venerable Bede reminds us, there is no one who can live on earth without being touched by some sin, but God promises yet to cleanse us, to wash us clean, and to give us pure, white, unstained garments, as brilliantly white and pure and clean as Christ himself. We are given the ability to share in the radiance of Christ. So as we journey through Lent together, may you and I see Jesus more clearly. May we focus our thoughts and our minds on him. In doing so, we can bear our crosses more faithfully and come through these days looking and acting more like Christ. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.